back on these streets. Did my time, took my chances. We got the eye of the tiger, ladies and gentlemen. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Three Man Weave. Three Man Weave is brought to you by the Chairshot Radio Network in conjunction with thechairshot.com. Always use your head. And use your head and think about it. If you enjoy the content that we provide day in and day out on the chair shot, the best way to make sure that we can continue to provide that content is by going to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. Please and thank you. Thank you. And please pick up a t-shirt, help the cause. Chairshot.com. It's not just a website. It's a movement. I'm Mr. Pipes, Christopher Platt. As always, I am joined by my man, my brother from another mother, the commissioner himself, Mr. PC Tunney. That is me. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, glad to be here. Interesting weekend in sports. A uh, couple new things happened. Uh, feeling good on a Sunday here. How the hell are you doing? Man, I am spectacularly well and keep getting better. <laughs> it's the beginning of your weekend. You know, pull back the curtain a little bit. It is, man. So I'm a little inebriated at this particular point in time, but maybe that might lead to good podcasting. We don't know. Shout out to our brother, Ray Cash. He couldn't be here this week. He is the third member of the triumphant known as Three Man Weave. Shout out and happy birthday to his baby girl. So happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. So, yeah, it... According to my level of inebriation, I can't even say level, this is either going to be a really good show or a complete train wreck. So I guess we'll see what happens. That's fine. People uh, pay attention to train wrecks as well. So, I, you know, <laughs> full disclosure, I was golfing today, so I've had a couple beverages. But I'm feeling good now, back home, ready to talk a little bit of sports. It's interesting, not, not a whole hell of a lot is going on. Uh, golf is back. We'll get to that momentarily. NASCAR, UFC continued on. I don't think either of us really paid too much attention to that. But speaking of an eye of the tiger, Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua signed a two-fight deal. How about them apples? I mean, it's like, what side of the camp, whose camp do you think wanted the two-fight deal? Because I'll say it's probably Fury. I would say both of them because, I mean, he's vanquished Wilder, which was the only other, you know, notable heavyweight. And, I mean, you know, for the last, what, maybe five or six years, it's been Wilder, it's been Fury, it's been Anthony Joshua. And he kind of, Anthony Joshua kind of lost a little bit of his luster because he got knocked the fuck out and lost his title to fucking Guillermo from Jimmy Kimmel Live. (laughs) Okay, there we go. I'm not even going to correct you. (laughs) But, I mean, he lost a little bit of his luster, but at the same point in time, man, those were the three heavyweights that were kind of holding up the division. So there is money to be made in that fight, especially if they do it overseas in Europe, in England, which, you know, where Anthony Joshua is still king. So, yeah, I could see that. And, of course, they want to run it back because what other big money fight is there out there? As opposed, you know, with the exception of Wilder and Fury 3, which I think we kind of all know how that's going to work out, you know, you know, considering how the last fight ended. So, yeah, it's the best. It's the biggest fight they could put out there. I'll say it's best for boxing, not for one camp or the other, because no matter what happens in the first fight, you know, you're going to get a second fight. So even if it's lopsided or something, I mean, the worst thing that could happen would be. Fury just dominates him for six rounds and knocks him out in the seventh. No one's really going to want to watch that again, right? But I doubt something like that's going to happen. I hope something like that doesn't going to happen. I think a focused Fury, an in-shape Fury, is going to be really, really difficult to beat. We've seen that. Uh, granted, Wilder wasn't at his best, but it's also best for Wilder in accordance with boxing because now... There's no pressure on him to make himself readily available to go out and be ready to contend for that title because it's not going to happen for well over a year, most likely probably close to two years, at least a year and a half, right? Because you're going to have two fights over the next year. Now, that gives Wilder plenty of time to have a cupcake match, 
And then another uh, fight against somebody that's an up-and-comer or maybe established towards the top of the rankings. And then being best for boxing would be Wilder coming through or someone getting over on... I mean, talk about wrestling terms. Someone gets over on Wilder or Wilder gets the comeback story. And really would be best for boxing is if Joshua won these two fights and then by close margins, and then you still have all three of these guys. We could go back to a golden age of boxing where there's more than just two guys that are relevant. We need to get three, four, five relevant heavyweight boxers and the trickle-down effect is going to happen because people really love watching the heavyweights. Look at the UFC. Look at boxing. No, look at the WWE. Right. Look but, at the WWE. Yeah, you're right. People like to see big guys beat the shit out of each other. But if I'm Wilder, I would use this opportunity to take a year off and literally learn how to box because – you know, I, I know he invoked his rematch clause and pre-COVID that was supposed to happen next month in July. But you know, you need to take some time off and learn how to box because you got out can you got outclassed. It is what it is. You got beat by a better boxer. So you need to learn how to box. I can't disagree with that. And if he does with the power he, he has, it's just crazy because Fury looks so good against him, right? So was that Fury getting much better, or was that Wilder just at a disadvantage uh, from a health aspect, possibly? It's funny because, you know, with the weigh-in and everything that was going up to that, I thought that Fury, I thought Fury was going to lose. And the fact that he packed on extra poundage, I'm thinking, okay, he's not taking this seriously. He's just here for a payday. But in hindsight, the reason he packed on that extra poundage was because he could withstand one of Fury's blows. And as long as you can withstand one of Fury's blows, he knew that he was going to be able to outbox him. And, and that's exactly what happened. So Wilder need, need to take some time off and learn how to box. So I think that there's money in that rematch, obviously. But if I'm Wilder, I don't want to get embarrassed again. So I need to reevaluate and, and figure some shit out. Now, with the Joshua and Fury thing... <sighs> There's only three heavyweights that draw money, and those are two of them. So I get why they would do the, you know, the sign the two match deal because regardless of how it works out, the other camp can, you know, bitch and moan and complain on the pro wrestling side of the game, and, you know, and and, and they can, uh, what what's the word I'm trying to say? They can they can spark up the second fight. So yeah, it makes sense. Right. The, the worst thing that could happen would be Tyson Fury just completely dominating the fight and knocking him out in like the middle late rounds. Otherwise, you're going to have a reason to have a rematch. You're going to have it either way. So let's let's hope no one gets uh, a case of the lemon booty. <laughs> Pop. <laughs> well, I, I'm assuming we'll get to that momentarily, right? Yeah, right now. Why not? Let's make the transition. I mean, I brought it up. You You spoke of the term. Before we, you know, we delayed the beginning of this show. We wanted to see a finish of something. So, uh, PGA Tour finally back. No fans, but they're out playing. Official event. And you got Colin Morikawa and Daniel Berger. God bless you. Yep. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. (laughs) In a playoff, right? First playoff hole, I believe they replayed the 17th. Daniel Berger has, like, what was it? Maybe two feet for, not even, like a foot for par. Taps it in, no problem. Yeah. And now he was cleaning up to get out of the way. Morikawa it looked like maybe three, three and a half feet, but not a difficult putt and a little bit of break in it. And he, he hit it a little too hard and it ended up lipping out. And Platt, you described it as Lemon Booty. Because this is the thing, man. Those guys, man, number one. If anybody has ever played golf, you understand how difficult the game of golf is. And that's why it's so addictive, because it's so difficult and frustrating. But they've been practicing those putts for all of their lives. And I'm sure not only did he read the green, I'm pretty sure his caddy read the greens as well. So they knew exactly how he was supposed to hit it. And he's done that putt on numerous occasions throughout his life. But the pressure got to him. He got a little limit booty. He hit it too hard, and he missed it. In an opportunity to go into a playoff to win this tournament, the limit booty got to him. Hashtag limit booty. 
It's funny you say something like that. Now, do you think that the fact that I, I don't think he's ever won a tournament before. So you got a guy who's in a position like that, obviously, against someone who's won a major before, right? So it, it's crazy how much you can actually be overrun by a lack of experience. You literally just proved my point right there. A man that has never won a tournament before. All the chips are on the line. All the pressure. And he hit it too hard. That's limit booty. It, it happens to the best of us, man. We've all had a situations where the limit booty got the best of us. And, it, you know, for most of us, of you know, fortunately enough, it didn't happen on national television. But for this guy, it happened to happen on national television in a time where there's no other sports around. So... He's going to get these jokes. Before we move on here, uh, the PGA is set at, uh, to go and play at Jack's uh, tournament in Ohio and have fans. I do believe it's September. It's the first official uh, announcement of a return to fandom in the United States, I believe. I don't. I haven't heard of anything else having fans, right? I mean, the NBA restart is not going to have fans. We're going to get to the MLB on what likely won't even be a season. Uh, but just wanted to mention that before we move forward, last note there, on the PGA. But speaking of lemons, how about a little word from one of our sponsors? Sierra Hotel. India. Echo. Lima. Delta. Shield. Hey folks, listen up, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Pins, stickers, illustrations. Angrylemonade.net. This is my yard now. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Maury, Maury, you are not the father. Hey, boy, Don't worry I'm not about the it. Father. <laughs> Somebody hit my music. Told you, bitch. So, so what happens if you're the father? I'm gonna take care of my responsibilities. I'm gonna take care of my responsibilities. When it comes to seven-month-old Dijante, <laughs> you. Are not the father. I told you. I Drink, told you. Drinks I on me, everybody. You. Drinks on me. <laughs> I had some diaper money saved up. Drinks on me. <laughs> I told you. I'm not the father. Oh no! What am I gonna do? <laughs> we'll have you back, and we can, you know, we can uh, interview the other five men you were fucking around the time, and we'll okay. figure it out. That's more. Oh, my goodness. My goodness. <laughs> So, what I wanted to say was more breaking news, not Maury, um, more, <laughs> more breaking news in the NBA. Uh, I, I believe he's the head of the Players Association. Am I, am I not correct, Kyrie Irving? Vice President. Okay. And he had a very strong opinion on what should happen. CP, I, I would love if you would like to run with this storyline here. Okay, so yeah, everybody knows the the Kyrie Irving situation. So let me double back just for a little bit to try to add a little context. So Okay, so do you guys remember it was probably a month ago? It might have even been 2 months ago. I don't remember. This this co-ed shit, everything kind of blends together. So there was a article that came out talking about how the players weren't necessarily on board with restarting the NBA season. And when that came out, LeBron and a, a few other players and management, they came out and said that was bullshit. Well, apparently that wasn't bullshit. And what's happening right now within the players is there's a bit of a divide between the super duper stars and the random players not random but you know you know what i'm saying there's a difference between superstars and role players so there's a bit of, of a divide there so you know what i've been able to surmise from what i've read and what i've heard is not only what was their divide between the superstars and the 
also players or the others, there was also a bit of divide between these superstars because LeBron James, he's very spot on and he's very, he wants to conclude this NBA season. And for obvious reasons, this guy, with all due respects to our brother, PC Tunney, the Lakers are the prohibited favors to win this title this year. And LeBron is chasing ghosts, and he's desperate and thirsty for rings for obvious reasons. So, of course, he wants to conclude this season. But there was a little bit of divide between the superstar players because a lot of them felt a certain way because they feel as if their voices weren't heard. Now, I'm, I'm the only one I know in particular that I can say is James Harden because obviously LeBron wants to continue the season, but some of the players, some of the superstars, they feel as if their voices weren't heard because, you know, regarding the, the COVID situation, you know, this bubble thing and how that's going to affect their family and yada, yada, yada. So they were a little frustrated with LeBron off of the strength of that because they don't feel like their voices were heard. So fast forwarding to what happened this week with Kyrie Irving, who is the vice president of the Players Association. And his thing, it wasn't so much about COVID. What he were, where he was coming from, and I think that a lot of players feel the same way, is that, and they didn't really necessarily touch on this in the media so much, but where they're coming from is with everything that's going on in this country right now, with the unrest, we'll say civil unrest, we'll, we'll put it there. They felt a certain way because none of the NBA owners came out and said anything in support of black people. So, you know, from their vantage point and from their optics, they're saying, okay, so you didn't say anything about what's going on, but you want us to come out and play again. Like the optics of that are a little off. So that's kind of the divide. And obviously they're going to, they're going to figure out a way to play. Like we know that's going to happen. But the, the funny thing to me is talking about next season. And I think that, and I, I don't know anything of this. I'm just predicting. I think next season, we're going to lead to a, a, a similar situation to what's going on with MLB right now, where the owners are going to go to the players and say, well, the season is clearly going to be abbreviated and the money is kind of funny. So we're going to need y'all to kind of take a little bit of a cut. So I think, you know, I don't know anything, but I think that's where we're heading right now. What if the rumors are true and the possibility of them shifting the season and saying, you know what, we're going to start in December, we're going to start Christmas Day, or we're going to start January, and we're going to go through September, and we're going to take that off time when the you know NFL revs up. Why why should we compete with you know anything else like that? Why should they care? Um, what if their whole season shifts? What do you think about that? Well, that should always be what it is. I think that the NBA season should start on Christmas Day because 82 games is a lot, especially when considered that there's only best-case well, scenario. There's four to five teams that have a, a legitimate opportunity to win the NBA title. That's what I'm talking about, though, is they would not abbreviate the amount of games. They would just finish in September. Ah, I feel you. I, I see what you're saying. I, I haven't heard or, that, though. Or like, August. That makes sense. Whatever, however that works out. Sorry. No, that makes sense, but, you know, that's not what's on the table right now. So there's a, a little bit of a divide, so I don't know how they're going to reconcile that. Anyway, it happens. I I hope they are safe in when it happens, and uh, I'm really looking forward to watching the NBA again. Now, what do you think about did Austin Rivers? He kind of had the opposite opinion of what Kyrie was talking about. Let's play. Let's focus on getting back to basketball and let's use that platform and that money and help what's going on in, in, across the nation right now. Well, there's always going to be a divide. I don't know why Austin Rivers felt the need to come up and say something because, you know, he comes from a, he comes from a different background. Like his dad played basketball. His dad has been involved with the NBA forever so he comes from a different socioeconomic background and i mean Kyrie doesn't come from a bad background you know he had both family he had both parents there and he's good you know in terms of money wise but 
I mean, are we really going to listen to Austin Rivers? The only reason he's still in the league is because his dad is a coach. So, I mean, how much sway does he really have? I'm not saying. I'm just saying. The opinions of Christopher Platt and Austin Rivers do not necessarily (laughs) reflect the opinions of the three-man weave. I think Austin Rivers is a decent NBA player. I think if his dad was, uh, you know, a lawyer or a doctor or a construction worker or any member of whatever part of the YMCA you want to talk about, um, (laughs) bike rider. (laughs) Um, I think his dad was... I still think he'd be in the NBA. I still think he'd be in the NBA. No, if his dad was Glenn Rivers' random mechanic in Newark, New Jersey, that melon farmer wouldn't know to be in the NBA. I don't know. I think he would be. He's pretty good. He's not bad. Not saying he's not talented, but eh, it's a million talented guys. And there's more talented guys that, you know, would be willing and able to take his spot. It just so happens (laughs) that his dad is an NBA lifer. I don't think we give athletes enough credit when they actually put up semi-decent numbers in professional sports. Like, yeah, you're better. You are. You're better. You're just not that much better. But you're better than everybody else. That's why they're not there putting up semi-decent numbers in one of the four major sports in America. So are you better than everybody else, or are you better because you get to play against the top of the top competition every single day? I'm not. And you get there because of that. I'm not going to deny that he had a, a better opportunity to get where he is at, but I'm not going to take away from what he's done. I'm not taking away from what he's done. I'm not saying he's not a good basketball player. I, I get it. Come- you don't. You think without the head start, he wouldn't have made it. I think he would have made it anyway. That's kind of the basic uh, concept we're talking about. That's fair. But I come from a, a little bit of a different perspective because my older brother was a basketball player. And, you know, he played in college and then he went overseas. He played in Scandinavia and he played in China. You know, I mean, he was a professional player. And, you know, uh, I've heard stories about him. He got invited to the Sacramento Kings camp. He got invited to the L.A. Clippers camp. And then they had what they call uh, uh, he had a workout with them. We'll say that. And, you know, he showed his ass. But at the end of the workouts, the general managers, they literally came up to him and they said, hey, yeah, you showed out. But. We got this guy. We got that guy. They're signed to guaranteed contracts. So how can we possibly justify bring you onto the team when we have X amount of millions of dollars invested in this guy? It, like it just doesn't make sense. And then you you kind of learn how the inner workings go because how those courtesy workouts go. Typically, your agent he's friends with somebody in the front office in these camps. So they'll bring you out and they'll bring you out for a courtesy workout. So then they can market you overseas and they can say, Oh, well, this guy was in camp for the Clippers or this guy was in camp for the Sacramento Kings. Like that, that's how the game works. You know what I mean? (laughs) We're sorry, but Austin showed up the last five minutes of camp. So we got to go with Glenn's kid. I'm not saying, I'm just saying, man. It's not always, just just in athletics, man, and just like the rest of the life. It's not necessarily what you know, it's who you know. It's hard to argue with that, right? I, I mean, that's 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 very fair. That's very poignant. I mean, for me, that, that rings true with me personally. Um, so, <laughs> last thoughts on the NBA here as we move along in the podcast. I mean, I'm just looking forward to this coming back. I ended up having a conversation with, my golfing partners today, which was a family affair, had a good time. Everybody had a good time. Um, but, you know, I mean, they were not in favor of them going back down in there. And I had to say, do you not know that the this is what's happening? They're creating a bubble. They're testing beforehand. They're testing every other day. They're pulling people in and out, and there's testing going in. You get tested, you're out. And, and they still weren't in favor of them going back to play in those conditions I mean, I guess my last question is before we move forward here, how comfortable can these guys be literally? Like, I mean, you know, that's kind of the thing with Kyrie and and Austin. What they're arguing about is this is not, this is an experimental situation. 
it is. It's an experimental situation, and I don't know how comfortable they should be. Oh, you know, from from a selfish fan standpoint, of course, I want to see NBA basketball, and I think that we will see NBA basketball this year. But I'm looking kind of towards the future, and I see a scenario in which. The, the same things that Major League Baseball is fighting right now, I think the NBA is going to come up on that as well. I, I just see that happening because the owners are already talking about maybe pulling the the uh, collective bargaining agreement and having to renegotiate that. So they're they're already pulling that card. So I think that we're going to see at the end of this season, whatever form it takes, what Major League Baseball is going through, we're going to run into that with the NBA. The last thing I want to say is here's what I would want to see for the NBA. If you don't mind, I would, I want to get the last word here. Um, I want them to start on January 1st. I want to get, I want them to give the families uh, of the players Christmas. I want to give that to them, right? I'm going to take away new year's Eve. Sorry. Most of you got that taken away from you anyway, <laughs> but I don't want to give new year's day to the fans. And I want to start that. And we're going to go down to a 75 or 70 game season. But what happens is we're going to have a play-in tournament for those seeds, for the 7-8 seeds. So 7-8-9-10, we're going to have one game tournament. 7-10, and 8-9, one game. Or maybe you do the two-game thing where the, 10 has to, the lower seed has to win twice and that. And the other teams, they get a kind of a little break. And I would love to see that happen. So where you lose 7 to 12 games in the regular season, you add some extra playoff drama, some extra revenue for teams that just missed the playoffs, right? I mean, you're already letting in more than 50% of the teams. It's a 30-team league, 16 get in. So I would love the NBA to move towards something like that. I am strongly against the... Seating not according to conference, then figure out the schedule. I thought we were trying to save on travel. Doesn't make sense to me. Re, 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 so re, you're remove them around then. So your thing is you, you're uh, operating under the assumption that the season is going to happen, and then leading into next season. Is that what you're saying? I think this se- the, the, this is going to happen. And if it doesn't get stopped, I think they're not going to start till December or January, and they're going to adjust what happens next year. But moving forward, they're not going to start till that late, and they're going to go. Well, we're our playoffs are end of our playoffs are at the beginning of NFL. Enjoy the plethora of sports. Well, the issue with that is, and I don't know how true this is, but I've been reading some things and I've read that the NBA makes $10 million off of every single televised game. And at the end of the day, cash rules everything around me. Cream, get the money. Dollar, dollar bill, y'all. I just have to counter inject on myself and put the clear point out that hates all of this is that it completely interferes with NBA players playing in the Olympics. <laughs> you think there's going to be Olympics this year? No, I'm saying moving forward. If the NBA playoffs is in August and September and it's a summer sport, they'd have to move basketball to a winter sport to allow the NBA players to play, and they'd still miss the beginning of the next season. So their season is perfectly fit around letting their pros go out and make their names bigger and their league bigger by being able to play in the Olympics. You move the schedule and start it there, and they're not off in July and August. They can't play in the Olympics. That's fair, but what I'm saying is there's supposed to be an Olympics this summer. Do you think that's going to happen? No, that got postponed to next year. Oh, did it? I didn't hear that. Yeah, that got postponed to next year. Okay, fair enough. So that'll be 2021. fair enough. But I'm just speaking as a schedule-wise. Like, think about it. If they do move that to start, even if it's just before Christmas or Christmas or New Year's Day, if the playoffs are in August, September... There's no way these NBA players are going to – every four years they're going to change their schedule so they can play in the – I mean, hockey kind of did it for a while, but I just don't see that happening. Yeah, that's fair. There's a lot of money going on right here, and that's that's really what all these decisions are based upon. I am waiting and looking forward to when we have some more news on the NCAA. I mean, there are things that are happening where – Schools are opening up the dorms and things of that nature. And maybe we'll touch on that more next week as we get more stories. But like 
as we get closer to like college football, I mean, universities depend on this money for the welfare of their university. They've been reliant on this to fuel and sponsor and support programs throughout the university sports and not. That's going to be an interesting conversation. I'm going to save my takes until we get to that point, but that's a very interesting conversation. There's a lot of meat on that bone, sir. Completely agree. Can't wait to get there. Kenny, do me a flavor, Flav, and uh, help me with this segue. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, be water. Water can be fluid or it can crash down upon you, right? (laughs) Go ahead. Shit all over it, Chris. We talked about this pre-show. I know you want to. So what PC was uh, uh, was talking about was the Bruce Lee 30 for 30 documentary and 30 for dirty. (laughs) <laughs> you that's a doc, that's a doc i want to see 30 for dirty <laughs> but the thing is the documentary was boring and it was disheartening to me because how can you have such a fascinating character like bruce lee and make a a, a boring documentary about him i don't see how that could possibly happen pc what do you think went wrong man <sighs> It's funny because we were both really amped up for this. I don't know if it was because yes. we loved Michael Jordan so much and we were like, oh, shit, another, like, another greatest ever, right? Like, you think of martial arts and 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 you think of martial arts displayed on screen. In both those facets, Bruce Lee was, like, the man. Like, we both watched a ton of his shit. We, we know the story. I mean, I think the second we heard it was happening, we both kind of like said it at the same time, I think one night before Pot is War. And it was underwhelming. I'll say that. Like, I, I, I still enjoyed the shit out of it, but like maybe my expectations were too high. Maybe they didn't, maybe they just, how about this? I'll ask you this question since we're talking about being disappointed. Like, I still think we both loved it. I'm glad we both watched it. And there are certain things we didn't know about it. But what if it was, that's how limited they were with, that's the best footage they had, and that's the best way they could tell that story. Because it's a sad story. It is, but, you know, there's a lot of uh, speculation regarding his death. Uh, Before I get to the death, let me kind of double back a little bit, talking about what he was trying to do. Like, this guy, he was trying to create a form of martial arts that was formless and didn't have any form that that was his whole point of life and then when he created that form of martial arts that was formless he understood that in its formlessness it kind of created a form can i so can he I, disregarded it can i say one thing before you get moving to me and in, in speaking sure. of that art and what he was teaching to me it felt like he wanted it to be that way because he wanted you to accentuate the best parts of you. He didn't want you to be stricken to the way things were supposed to be. So if something didn't work for you, he wanted you to be the best of your abilities. Like maybe you couldn't do this one thing, but you were better at this other thing. And that's the way you should perform or or have. It's really hard for me to explain. Does any of that make sense to you where the focus was on you and not the art form and the art form adapts to you? No, I get that because once you create boundaries for people, there's certain limitations to boundaries. So he Thank was you. trying to create you're you're absolutely right. And he was trying to create a form of martial arts where there were no boundaries and there were no forms and you just kind of flow like water, the name of the documentary. But he found out that in his quest to create a form of martial arts which was formless, that in itself became a form. And then he disregarded it because of that very reason, because that's what he was trying to create. And then you get to his death, which there's a lot of controversy surrounding his death. A lot of people say that some of the people back east were a little less than enthusiastic about him sharing their secrets with the Western world, i.e. white people. And that's what led to his death. And I mean, 
I am a conspiracy theorist, yes. But what gives this conspiracy credence is also how his son died as well on the set of The Crow. And he was taking some bullets. They were supposed to be non-bullets, but there were actual bullets, and that's what killed him. How does that happen on a set of a movie? With all the money and everything and how meticulous people are in making a movie, how does that happen that they have real bullets in the gun and that's what kills him and ultimately ends his life? So it leads credence to the conspiracy theories about that the people back east were upset with what Bruce Lee were doing. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. Most times I am very quick to not refute what you're saying, but to just plug the other side for balance. But today, thinking about it and, you know, seeing the documentary and knowing what we know, I'm not going to say it's a higher percentage than not, but it's not not a percentage. I mean, there's something there. And, I, you know, I don't want to be that guy, but unfortunately I am that guy. But, I mean, eh. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. What else can I say? I don't want him to come after me either, so I don't want to say too much. So, folks, if you haven't seen any Bruce Lee movies and you don't really know the story, it is well done in what they did with it. It's just not what we expected. We wanted more. I think they did good with what they wanted to do. So, if you want to know more about the Bruce Lee story and you want to know what to watch and what he did and where you can find it, things of that nature, and who he was as a family man and things of that, where he came from, definitely take a look at it, right? But at the same time, I mean, what were your favorite parts? I mean, we tore it down. Uh, What were your favorite parts about it? Because there was a lot of things we enjoyed. I don't know if I had any favorite parts. Because, I mean, the way it was done was weird. Like, they had voiceovers from people, but they didn't put them on camera. And I thought that was a weird choice. Why do you think they made that choice? Time. Maybe this got pushed forward like all the other things did with ESPN. Uh, Maybe I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, because I don't, and they're talking about, you know, they brought his ex-girlfriend into this, and I mean, what the fuck is she going to say? She's an ex-girlfriend. I, I don't think I had many favorite parts. I just thought that the whole presentation was underwhelming for a guy that was so influential and so charismatic. They could have did a much better job. I enjoyed some of the home footage you've seen. I mean, the brief glimpses you've seen him playing with his young children. Uh, having people over by him and teaching people like people he didn't know. I would love to see more about uh, the school when he went back uh, to Hong Kong and became super popular. I thought that was great. There's a lot of good movies you can go back and watch if you like that genre of film. And then finally, I think my favorite thing, being a big fan of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, was hearing, (laughs) hearing him talk about his friendship. Right. And how they bonded together. And, you know, it to see the work they did on film as, as well is, is really cool to see this guy who's so small in stature, but so unbelievably powerful, like with his one inch punch and things of that nature. I mean, this guy learned how to use his body in ways that nobody had ever known before. I mean, to stiffen up and run your left leg pushing out through the ground into your right up your up your left leg into the left side of your body to your left side of your shoulder and tightening up your muscles along the way and transferring that over to your right shoulder into your right arm and having your fingers extended descended and punch a man within one inch and knocking him 15 20 feet away is remarkable so to see some of that footage and what he could do and how he could teach people is excellent. Big fan of Jabbar and, and, and their work at the dynamic, big, small, always comes through with a wrestling fan. So if you're not familiar with Bruce Lee, I would say that you need to watch Enter the Dragon, which you, we've joked about it on that's this the end podcast. Of this, which, that's the end of this story. Which, that's the impetus for Fight Island, which I'm sure we're going to talk about that in the upcoming weeks on this podcast, but that's Amen. where that came from. 
And I don't remember the name of the movie where Bruce and Kareem fought, but that is a, a incredible fight scene because you know Kareem Abdul Jabbar is seven foot four, and just watching that fight scene, it's 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 highly entertaining. So I would suggest that you go back and watch that. I apologize, I don't remember the movie off the top of my head. We're doing this freestyle, so my bad. You can look it up. Look it up for yourself. It's Game of Death. It was nineteen seventy. Game of Death. Yes. Game of Death, yes. Go watch that. Check that out. We got uh, one and a half more topics to talk about, folks. And now, (laughs) let's kick it over to the Lord. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis. With attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your Head. Speaking of documentaries, tonight we're recording on Sunday once again. We got Long Gone Summer, Maguire Sosa story. I think this is another one of them that we really know the story even better. Like we were, that's 98, 99, 2000, 2001, right? Isn't that like that era right there? I mean, as much as we were paying attention to the Monday Night Wars and the Attitude Era, we're also paying attention to chicks dig the long ball. <laughs> and guys, well, much like much like wrestling, baseball was just better with steroids. <laughs> I mean, what do you want me to say? I'm not, you know, advocating for steroid use, but it was much better with steroids. Yeah, it's hard to argue that. I mean, NFL, but you look at the longevity of guys careers but at the same time you see like pitchers seem to be going down more so than others uh in in past history that's true but i mean what point in time has baseball reached those levels since then now obviously i think a lot of people turned off after the strike season what was that 1994 i believe it was a lot of people turned off and never came back but i mean that Chicks dig the long ball. Like, it was a whole thing, man. And, you know, the steroid use, and not to say that there's not still steroid use, because I'm pretty sure there is, but that particular point in baseball, that's the hottest baseball has been in the modern era. Uh, You know, you talk about that, the strike, right? And it killed a lot of stuff, and then the home run brought it back, and then the busting of the steroids, like, it kind of brought them back down a peg again. And then when the Boston Red Sox finally won the World Series, I feel like that's when baseball took off again. Uh, be, just because it was such a great story, and they had come back on the Yankees from being down in that American League Championship Series. Anytime you can overcome uh, the Darth Vader Yankees, the the Empire, right? I mean, that was just... I can remember DP and I, we, we, we roomed together at the time, and, and we watched that together, the comeback. We... we we never drank during the week that time. We were too young to think about drinking on a school day. But the Boston Red Sox were about to mount the comeback against the New York Yankees, and that brought baseball back. But I think it's a great story to watch. I think it's a shame what's happened um, with, with some of these guys. It's, it's interesting. They, they kind of lied to Congress about steroids, and, and now they're not going to get in the Hall of Fame. And, and it's too bad because the Baseball Hall of Fame is really – the the most snootiest, stupid Hall of Fame ever because how do you know the pitchers weren't doing it too and they just rocked the pitchers? I mean, like, just give them their dues. They were the the Hall of Famous for the elite of the time. And guys like Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and Roger Clemens, regardless of who they are or what they did, deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Ty Cobb's in the Hall of Fame, Christopher Platt. I'm pretty sure he murdered at least one person. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, you know, baseball is sanctimonious and self-righteous. I mean, Phil Negro, and I know that's not his name, but I'm going to call his name like that. But Phil Negro, he openly talks about his Vaseline balls and shit like that, and he's in the Hall of Fame. Everybody cheats. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. So how can your Hall of Fame be taken seriously when the all-time hit king, the all-time home run leader, and arguably the greatest player ever to play your sport— And arguably, Roger Clemens, the greatest pitcher of the 20th century, they're not in your Hall of Fame. That doesn't make sense. It just doesn't. 
that doesn't make sense. So baseball writers, man, you got to take the plug out your ass. And like, it's the 20th century. Everybody's cheating. To quote Bobby the Brain Heaton, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Rubbing is racing. What? It's a NASCAR term. Rubbing is racing. It means, yeah, we're huh. going to... We're gonna we're gonna push the law to the limit. Like it doesn't make sense, man, and you know it. That pisses me off about the baseball writers because they're so sanctimonious and self righteous. Is it's irritating? How can you have a Hall of Fame and you don't have the best players in it? Like we all know, Ty Cobb wasn't shit as a person, but he was a damn good ball player, and he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. So how are you gonna hold these other melon farmers out the Hall of Fame? Everybody cheats. Literally, everybody cheats. They steal signs. Hello, Houston Astros. They steal signs. They take uh, performance-enhancing drugs. It's a long haul, man. It's 182 games. That shit takes a toll on you. Everybody's cheating. It just so happens that they got caught. Uh, 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 and by the way, Barry Bonds technically never got caught. I just want to throw that out there. No, the, his associate from Balco just went to jail. That's all. Yeah, and he didn't stitch on Barry. And his shoe size went up like a one and a half, and his hat size went up like an inch. Hey, man, we get older, shit happens. I got older, and my belly size went up like five inches. It happens. Listen, my favorite (laughs) players growing up were Marco Goyer and Barry Bonds. How do you think I feel? I have, like, combined ten of their rookie cards. (laughs) And they should both be in the Hall of Fame. They should both. All these guys should be in the Hall of Fame. You can throw your asterisks aside, however you want to say it, and just go. Yeah, we. If you're if you're an intelligent baseball fan, you know why the numbers the way they are. But they're the best numbers of that era. And shout out to Sammy Sosa, who is now the color of Pepto Bismol for some weird reason. But yeah, that's that's a whole other different topic. That's a whole yeah. other social topic uh, <laughs> down in the Caribbean, and it's sad. Baseball it's sad. been very, very good to me. It, it, in long form, it's a very, even in short form, it's a very, very sad story. Um, the culture and, and the thoughts and feelings of, of, of the culture in, in that area. I was just trying to make a joke, man. I wasn't trying to go all social commentary with it. God damn. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I've been drinking. Let's let Amber bring us back before we get out of here. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. We got PGA. We got NASCAR. We got UFC. I know there's more of all those things uh, in the coming weeks that are already scheduled. Looks like the NBA is going to be back. It looks like NFL is going to continue to go on as scheduled. Uh, MLB, they haven't come to a conclusion. The players aren't thrilled with what the owners are offering them, and they're not going to have it. Uh, I I heard tomorrow is going to be an interesting day and a decision and another proposal of sorts, from what I'm hearing is correct. Long long story short, I personally don't think there's going to be a baseball season this year. I think they're going to pick up right where they normally would continue and start in February with a whole new season next year. What are your thoughts? I'm kind of leaning towards you. I don't think there's going to be a baseball season because most of the baseball players, they're good. Like they're not struggling for money. So they are willing to sit out for the greater good of the cause. So, I, I yeah, I don't know if there's going to be a baseball season. I don't think there's going to be a baseball season. There's certainly going to be a fo- football season because I know how Americans feel about their football, and they would literally burn this bitch to the ground if there was no football. Hard to argue with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's going to be football, folks. Now, are there going to be fans in the stands for the football? Eh. That remains to be seen. I guess you could say stay tuned. Can't agree with those sentiments more. I think we hit everything this week. There wasn't a whole hell of a lot to talk about. Sorry we didn't have more to say about the UFC. I know they got uh, events coming up the following two weekends. So make sure you check and that out. And Fight Island. Well, Fight Island's with coming. Slimbola. That's going to be. With oh, Slimbola. All right, just tell the people where they can find us. Hey, man, you guys can find me on Twitter at the Real C Platt. More importantly, you can find me on Potter's War every Thursday on thechairshot.com. 
And make sure y'all go to Pro Wrestling Tees forward slash the chair shot and pick up an official chair shot t-shirt. Again, if you appreciate the content we provide day in and day out at the chair shot, make sure we can continue to provide that content by going to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. Please and thank you. Thank you. And please, Mr. Tony, where they can find you, sir, on your 5011 podcast. 5011 1175. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> uh, at PC Tony, right there on the Twitter. Make sure you go on and head over to angrylemonade.net. Pin stickers, illustrations, whatever you need. Promo code chairshot. Go to thechairshot.com. Shout out to this show, Three Man Weave, very close to my heart. We're, we're doing it right here, sports side. Bandwagon Nerds. DP's got a new thing going, Chairshot Games. Uh, just check out the whole Chairshot Radio Network. And everything we got going on over there. The wrestling man. The wrestling. Pot is war. Shout out to the Belaz boys. Bob. All right. So yada, yada, yada. Yada, yada, yada. Thank you guys for tuning in for the latest edition of Three Man Weave. We promise Ray will be back next week. Until next time. Shalom. I think it was a win. DJ And they stay there, and they say yeah, and they stay there. Cause all I do is win, win, win. And if you going in, put your hands in the air, make them stay there. Ludacris going in on the verse, cause I've never been defeated and I won't stop now. Keep your hands up, get them in the sky for the homies that ain't making it in my folks locked down. I never went nowhere. I got another thing, sir.